5: You are listening to the Dan Patrick show on Fox sports radio. I did
2: this the other day with the help of Mario. We had somebody who sent in the, uh, small hands that if you are watching on Peacock, if you see the small hands that are over there by Marvin's computer. So I got that in the mail and I decided that I was going to put those there. And, uh, yeah, if you're if you're watching on Peacock, in fact, uh, our cameraman Weeks will get a better shot of that, and you can see the uh, those are life size hands of Marvin. That uh, you know he to scale. Yes, they are. Yeah, so we uh, we have those. <laughs> Mario goes, "Hey, why don't we put these over there uh, at Marvin's desk?" <laughs> I said, "All right, looks great." So uh, we have those there, just in case you're uh, you're wondering. Uh, I mentioned poll question, play of the day, stat of the day, all of that. By the way, I mentioned also Patrick Beverly joining the Lakers. This is great. I mean, I don't know if this helps the Lakers, but boy, this is one of those. Oh, my God. Nirvana. We got content. Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook. They don't like each other. You bring in Patrick Beverly from the Jazz, and maybe he's going to play defense for you. Somebody's got to. And Patrick Beverly comes in. He's still a nuisance, a past. When he was uh, on ESPN, he said this to uh, Max Kellerman about joining the Lakers.
4: Would you want to play with LeBron
6: on these Lakers? If I was a free agent? Yes. Uh, and if me and Minnesota didn't agree to Yeah, a number, correct. Yes, you
3: would. Not even, I wouldn't even hesitate. Um, just to be able to play with a great like that, be able to pick his brain. Um, be able to, you know, be a star in, a, in, in whatever role that I have, playing aside Russell Westbrook, fantastic.
5: I mean, I, we couldn't actually, and playing for the Lakers, couldn't actually a better job. All
2: right. Uh, they supplied the music, not us. Uh, did they just start dancing at the end of answers? <laughs> I don't know what happened there. What's but that? Usually that means that they're showing a highlight, and a uh, highlight of Patrick. What, what would be Patrick Beverly's highlight? Yes, Marv.
6: I wish people could see me right now because it's tons of, get up! Come on, let's go. <laughs> let's go. You know what? I'm going to do a look in and we're just going to go on the basketball court and we're all just going to demonstrate. Oh, you're going to
2: do what, your Patrick Beverly? Come on, we should. Why not? Okay. Because I don't know what his highlight is. And, and I'm being serious. I don't know what his highlight is. He, he's a nuisance. I think his highlight was when he was on ESPN. He was fun as an analyst there. Uh, what's he have left? But that's a poor defensive team, and if he'll help them, give them a little toughness there. I, you know, I do love what could, I what could be with the relationship or lack thereof with Russell Westbrook Jr. the third, and maybe Patrick Beverly rubs off on him, like, hey, come on, let's be role players and uh, let's be all in on the Lakers. Yeah, Marv. He's like, wait,
6: how about you be a role player? I was an <laughs> yeah. MVP once. Oh, I know
2: that's to the detriment of Russell Westbrook Jr., the third. Hey, I'm not a guy who's just going to wait in the corner shooting threes every seven times, seven possessions down the floor. I'm Russell Westbrook. Yeah, Paul.
3: You know, they do all these stats that Patrick Beverly is a great on-ball defender, and he's definitely a pest. At this point in his career, he's not scared to mess with anybody. It feels like when I first heard him, like, oh, good, the Lakers got a little tougher, and every team seems to need a jerk out there, a guy who doesn't mind... Or you know, getting a tech or causing someone else to get a tech. And the other thing I saw, Patrick Beverly shoots thirty-four percent from three. Mm. On that team, that's not bad.
2: How many threes does he take?
3: He, he you know, he attempts four a game and he's shooting um thirty-four and a half percent. That is again, that doesn't mean he's a shooter. Yeah. But better yeah. than I expected. All right.
2: I mean, I would love for him to be the nuisance pest that Draymond Green is, but be the player that Draymond Green Draymond Green's still a great player. Not a great shooter, but he finds a way to help his team win. And he plays, he's able to play more
4: because he has, you know, more talent. But Patrick Beverly joining the Lakers. Yes, Eaton. Plus he adds one more three in that he's 34. Yay! Something like that. Great, because they really, the Lakers really needed to get just a little older. A little more seasoned. Yeah, seasoned. Yeah. Mm. We got some veteran leadership there. So actually, much veteran leadership. Nobody can actually <laughs> play together. That's how many veterans there are. In the team. Yeah, He's a veteran. I don't know if he supplies leadership, but it should
2: be fun. And uh, he's now a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. This is what I want to know. What is this going to lead to? Because it feels like you got Patrick Beverly. That means something else is going to happen. That was just my initial reaction to this. More likely that Russell Westbrook Jr. third is now traded? That's what I thought. You got some cap space here? That's what I thought. And I, I still think that way. You know, Beverly opens up a roster spot and financial flexibility in 2023-2024, this according to ESPN NBA front office insider Bobby Marks, so they could have up to $34 million in cap space. Taylor, Horton, Tucker. Remember when it felt like he was untouchable with the Lakers? He had that great summer league, like, oh, my God, did you see this guy? And then all of a sudden, in did play. Yeah, Paul.
3: Yeah, yeah. Horton Tucker, he's uh twenty-one years old. He averaged ten points, three assists last year. He only shot twenty-seven percent from three. Uh they'll trade they'll bring him back in about nine years. <laughs> Is
2: LeBron still gonna be
4: there in nine years? Uh what kind of poll question do we have today, Seton O'Connor? Well, Dan, we could start with Patrick Beverly. He makes the Los Angeles Lakers a title contender, a playoff team, a five hundred team We're just older. <laughs> Little we'll snark there at the end. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right.
2: Um title contender, no. I think they're already a playoff contender. So I would say makes them older, definitely, but makes them more of a playoff contender, I guess. Mm, yeah, mm. Mm. I mean, it was just interesting because it's Patrick Beverly. Because I don't know how much he'll help. But maybe he's all in for one year. And maybe I always thought that defense, certainly in the NBA, came down to willingness to play defense. They're all great athletes. You can't get there for the most part without being a great athlete. That's why if I said, look at Russell Westbrook, now that'd be a guy that I would think would be a lockdown defender. He's fast, he's strong, he's got a motor. That's the guy that I would think, man, he's going to be all over. He's going to be on you. He's going to pick you up three-quarters court. And it comes down to a willingness to want to play defense. And he
6: doesn't want to play defense. Yeah, Marv. And I'm a little surprised because I think he was defensive player of the year in the Pack 10 or 12, whatever it was, back then yeah. when he was in college. Yeah. So when he came out, they were like, man, he's an aggressive defender. We got to the NBA, he was like, no, I'm not.
2: It, it, it's about a willingness to want to play defense. I mean, there's certain guys that they make their reputation off playing defense. He he became an MVP. You don't want to be playing defense, even though Michael Jordan played defense. You know, great players. Gary Payton, great two-way player. Clay Thompson, when he was healthy, great two-way player. There's certain guys that take great pride in playing defense. And I'm not saying you expend all your energy because that's what's ha- that's what happens. You're like uh, I'm gonna kind of sl- I'm not gonna fight through a screen. I'm not gonna fight over a pick. I'm gonna go uh, underneath it, and that's what he did. You know, somebody who was with the Lakers last year said, you know, he just lazy on defense. He didn't care. He didn't, didn't care about playing defense.
4: Uh, what else do you have, Seton O'Connor? Uh, We could go with uh, more likely Trey Lance leads the league in MVPs. Mm. In uh, interceptions or is the league MVP? I'd also say both or neither. Neither, neither. Okay. I don't know if they're going to
2: give him the opportunity to throw enough to lead the league in interceptions. That would be my first take on that. MVP? Hmm. Well, what it, what are the odds though?
4: Better odds to lead in interceptions or better odds to be the MVP? Probably better odds to lead the league in interceptions. But when you look at some of the numbers coming out of Vegas, they you know, some of the sports books have only four quarterbacks ahead of him for MVP. Okay. Well, he is
2: a new story. That's really 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 important. When you cuz that's what they love. What's the what's the news? Uh, Brady's gonna be good again. Uh, I mean, this might be a Justin Herbert year. Mm. Um, yeah, Trey Lance, new story there. A lot of pressure on him. Yeah, I could see where he'd be in the conversation. Well, you know, we're gonna get to the point where, you know, Josh Allen is Josh Allen gonna win an MVP? And at what point do then people move on from? Josh Allen winning an MVP, even though he could be the best quarterback in the NFL, at some point you're like, we've been waiting to write the story and you didn't win it in the window that we wanted, so we got to move on. The C.J. Stroud for MVP story, you know, we'll have in three years from now. Yeah, Paul.
3: Who is the last player to sit his rookie year, was considered a bit of a project, and then win the MVP in his first season as a starter? Lamar Jackson. Patrick Mahomes. Oh. Mahomes played one game his rookie year, one uh, start, hmm. and the next year he threw 50 touchdowns. And he won the MVP.
2: But Lamar Jackson was more of a project than Patrick Mahomes.
3: I, I think that's right? a bit, I'm just saying hindsight a little bit. Okay,
2: yeah. is Lamar Jackson, well, they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid traded Alex Smith. So the Ravens didn't trade up. Like if anything, they and maybe they traded up at the end of the first round, but people didn't think that he could throw well enough to be a, a starting quarterback or you know an impactful one. Yeah, Paul.
3: Lamar Jackson had six, seven starts his rookie year. Okay. Then the next year he was thirteen and two as a starter, thirty six touchdowns, six picks, and won oh. the MVP. Wow. Oh. Yikes. Okay.
2: More of a project though. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We'll get to phone calls. Peter King will join us. He went to the Browns camp. I'm curious what that felt like. Also, the 49ers see all in on Trey Lance. And there's a whole lot of love in Vegas. The best odds for a team having the most wins this year. I think I'm setting that up correctly. Most of the money on which team will have the most wins this year. The Philadelphia Eagles. Broncos and Eagles are hot in Vegas. Be sure to catch the
5: live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all
1: wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye.
2: Peter King, the peripatetic Peter King, been traveling. He's been to 21 NFL camps, including most recently the Browns, Colts, Rams, Chargers, Cowboys, Texans, Saints, Broncos, and the 49ers, and the Chiefs as well. And Peter joins us on the program. Let me start with the Browns. How would you describe
9: the atmosphere
2: at Browns camp?
9: I'd say the vast majority of people inside it, including the uh, the heir to the quarterback job this year, Jacoby Brissett, are mostly blissfully unaware and uh, have been – they've done a good job starting with Kevin Stefanski, who basically is allowing Andrew Barry, the general manager in the Haslams, to handle all this stuff. He's just handling – it's the proverbial control what you can control, Dan. That's what Stefanski's doing – Jacoby Brissett is, when I say he's blissfully unaware, I had a conversation with him. It's all like he just, you know, that's not part of his job, so he doesn't really care. He cares, but he doesn't really concern himself with it on a day-to-day basis. Jimmy Garoppolo joining the Browns, uh, any traction on that? I think it's unlikely. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think the Browns believe that a quarterback coming onto their team uh, for a significant amount of money early in the year is going to have any impact at all because he won't know the system. He'll have to learn on the fly. You know, he's not significantly better than Brissett in their eyes anyway. I would have thought that uh, I still think they may pick up somebody or trade a seven for somebody if they have to a lesser quarterback, you know, like Mullins gets traded the other day from the Raiders to the Vikings. That would have been a guy. He knows Kevin Stefanski's system. It's that kind of deal, you know, like a, a conditional seventh for somebody's third round, third uh, string quarterback. I, they could do that. Did the Browns make Deshaun Watson available? Uh, no. No, I never had a chance to. I never had a chance to talk to him. Uh, so no, I never, I never, I never even saw him when I was in Cleveland. Uh, that was right on cue with the dog pound
2: there behind you, Peter.
9: Yeah, yeah. Who let the dog out?
2: <laughs> now let the dog out. Um, yeah, Pete. There's a lot of money. Feels like Vegas on uh, the Eagles this year. Why all the love for Philadelphia?
9: I think they're a very interesting team, Dan, because I think Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying he's a top eight or ten quarterback, but I think Jalen Hurts is going to play well, particularly with a bolstered receiving core. Uh, I think they have a chance to be really good, and I think right now they're better than Dallas.
2: Well, Dallas losing
9: you know, a great offensive lineman, Tyron yeah. Smith. How big a loss is this? Hard to rely on him anyway. He's been hurt almost every year in the last five or six years. But now the the kid who they drafted from Tulsa in the first round almost certainly is going to have to get ready to play left tackle. And they wanted to introduce him to the NFL kind of slowly uh, by putting him at left guard this year. But he's probably now going to have to kick out to tackle and solve that problem for the Cowboys. He's Peter King. It's must-read every uh, Monday morning.
2: Well, you can read it Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. It's football morning. It takes
9: morning. a while. <laughs> football
2: morning in America and uh, NBCSports.com. How did? Uh, what did you feel coming away from the Niners camp? What did you feel going in? What did you feel when you left the Niners camp?
9: Well, I felt going in that um, I had this great unknown with Trey Lance, Dan, since he graduated from a fairly small high school in Minnesota, he's thrown 389 passes in football games. In four years, he's thrown an average of whatever that is, 95 passes a year or something. And so if you're Kyle Shanahan, you say we've got a really good defense and what we need to do is play good enough on offense to win games, twenty-one seventeen, and in my opinion, I think that the best thing that they can do right now, far and away, the best thing that they can do, is basically play a system on offense that that basically features a very limited, uh, not Garoppolo, but a very limited form of the offense that Garoppolo ran and have Trey Lance get up to speed. And that's what I think Kyle Shanahan's going to do. There's a lot riding on Trey Lance's success here, Peter. No question. I mean, no question. But they, you know, if you're going to draft a guy and you're going to you're going to draft him where they drafted him, uh, you've got to have the faith in him that you can figure it out. And Kyle Shanahan is one of the smartest guys in football. He has to have the faith in his own play calling ability that he can feature him, I think you're going to see a lot more too tight end stuff with the Niners. Uh you you're, you're going to see them taking fewer chances on offense. They just want to basically get this guy up to speed without exposing him too much early on. What did you take from the
2: uh Dana White story about the Raiders interest in Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski?
9: I mean, who hasn't talked to Tom Brady <laughs> or who had, you know, I- I don't know. To me, I guess the way I think of it is, Dan, that he uh, – I'm sure it's true. It, its It's got to be true. But I think the way I look at it is anybody right then in that year when Brady was available who wasn't sincerely looking into him is just not very smart. I mean, why wouldn't you look into a guy whose game hasn't declined? Look at him last year. He's 44 years old. He leads the NFL in passing yards and in touchdown passes. I mean, who wouldn't want that? He's already won a Super Bowl and and been the best quarterback statistically in football in the two years since he left New England. Anybody who wouldn't look into that, I think, is being irresponsible.
2: Three years ago yesterday, Andrew Luck announced his retirement. Where were you?
9: Uh... I don't know, I was somewhere, and I i think I was writing my column somewhere, and I read it on Twitter first from Adam Schefter, and I was utterly shocked. And then obviously that night, he has the press conference. Dan, I, this I believe is irreversible. He's not gonna entertain the thought of coming back. He's living a good new life uh, as a father and a husband. I have been told he has not been tempted one time to come and play again. And, you know, the last two or three years, he never, ever felt right. So I think he got what he wanted out of football. Dan, there's very few people in the 38 years I've covered the NFL who have as many outside interests as Andrew Luck does. And so I don't think he's – I don't even think he's particularly struggling with it. Well, I remember when Barry
2: Sanders walked away. Yeah. And but Barry was always a mystery. You know, that he didn't share much and he just said, "Look, I'm I'm tired of losing and but he's going to the Hall of Fame, Andrew Luck is not." It's still and
9: he doesn't even talk about this. He doesn't do interviews, right? Yeah. I mean, I I just think he wants to be a person. He got tired of being a headline yeah. and I think he wants to be a person. To live his life privately. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, and he is doing that. I think the one part of his legacy that I think is really important is that, hey, look, football's fun. It's great. You can make a jillion dollars. It's not the only thing in the world. And I applaud him, quite honestly, for walking away and not flirting with coming back all the time. I mean, Good for him. Let him do something else in his life. Who says that the only thing you could ever do and make a great impact on the world is playing football? The
2: team or teams that could overachieve this year. Every year we feel like there's four or five that jump up and four or five that drop out. You got a couple that... Uh, is somebody going to make a seismic leap like like the Bengals did?
9: I don't, I don't really see a seismic leap team, but I do think the Detroit Lions are going to hover around 500. I think they're going to be a really interesting team. They're going to win a couple games this year where people say, oh, my God, how'd they win at Lambeau Field? They're going to win a couple of games that tell you that Dan Campbell is absolutely unequivocally on the right path along with GM Brad Holmes. In the AFC, I don't think this certainly would be seismic, but I'm going to pick the Chargers to win the West. I think that they have – they've got a lot of answers this offseason. They're going to be much better. The run game absolutely gashed them last year. Sebastian Joseph Day uh, comes over from the Rams, excellent run player. Khalil Mack, we'll find out if he can stay healthy after missing 10 games with a foot injury. He's 31 years old, no insurance for that, obviously, but that's a huge piece for them. J.C. Jackson at corner, assuming that his injury isn't a big deal. And then, you know, Zion Johnson to help rebuild that offensive line. To me, I think Tom Telesco, the GM of the Chargers, had a great offseason. Safe travels, Pete, as always. Thanks for joining us. Okay, Dan, thank you very much. Fox Sports Radio has
5: the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
6: Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker
2: Dan Wojcicki, he covers the Lakers and the NBA for the L.A. Times, kind enough to join us. All right, give me the initial basketball reaction when you heard Patrick Beverly was joining the Lakers.
5: I think it was, oh, okay. <laughs> it, was sort of my, it was sort of, you know, I, Dan, I wasn't stunned, right? When Patrick Beverly got traded to Utah, I think the, the, the feeling around the league was that he would land somewhere else, and certainly he gives the Lakers a lot of what they need. Or, or want, right? Defensive tenacity. He's a really good spot-up shooter. I think if you told me today that Patrick Beverly was going to play 82 games, um, in a lot of ways, he's a real, like almost a perfect LeBron James teammate. Doesn't really need the ball on offense. Um, Defends his butt off and is you know has been in his career a pretty underrated three-point shooter, right? Like 34% last year, that's the worst he's ever been in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think like th- that's all really good news um i think the durability stuff is real though um that's got to be a concern for a team that already has injury concerns and then i think dan secondarily and and i have a feeling you wonder this too is like okay are there more shoes to drop yeah
2: yeah okay so do you think that this is a move that'll lead to another move dan
5: I, I, I don't know. And I wish I had a, a clearer picture. I think that the Lakers have been trying to trade Russell Westbrook. Um, that's not a surprise. Um, they were certainly interested in Kyrie Irving. And I think, and I wrote this, that, you know, when that, when, when that kind of situation in Brooklyn got settled earlier this week, it kind of provided a clarity for the Lakers as to, like, okay, we can go about now doing our business. Like, we don't have to wait on this situation to play out anymore. We can kind of put our foot in the ground and pivot and, and, you know, go about making our team better because it needed to get better, right? And um, while Taylor Horton Tucker's a a young player, he he wasn't going to make the Lakers that much better this year. I I really don't believe um, that his skills fit with what they have already. So, you know, this is a step in that direction. um, But, you know, Russell Westbrook's still really hard to trade, Dan. Um, it's a lot of money. There's not a lot of interest around the league. Um, you know, I, I, spoke to a general manager here in the last 24 hours and I kind of mentioned Russell Westbrook and trading him and that general manager just said, good luck, you know? Um, and, and I don't think that opinion has changed much since the trade deadline last year. And I, I'll be curious. I, I am very curious to see if the Lakers can kind of how aggressive they will be um, in terms of adding draft capital, you know, two first round picks, perhaps to, to making a Russell Westbrook move to kind of try to bolster the roster again here for, you know, this isn't LeBron's last chance, I don't think. But, you know, we're in that territory. I right,
2: see. So bring in Patrick Beverly, the role that he plays. How does that impact Russell Westbrook?
5: Yeah, it's going to make for a fun employee orientation, day, <laughs> I think. Dan, I, I think, right? Like, like the icebreaker games, like you know, are going to be really, really awkward around that table. Um, if they're both there, uh, you know, it, in some ways, it should be good news for Russell Westbrook. Darvin Ham has talked a lot about, you know, we want we want Russell to kind of be in the corner and hit threes and and to be a defender, and we're going to challenge him to be a defender. And that's not really who Russell Westbrook has ever been. In the NBA, it is who Patrick Beverly has been. And, you know, there is maybe a a logic to, you know, this opens up. You know, Russ is not going to be more miscast. He'll be able to do kind of the things he's more comfortable with. But, I mean, we saw that, how that played out last year, right? And that was a struggle. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think this makes Russell Westbrook a more seamless fit with the Lakers. Um, but I do think that generally speaking, right, like Patrick Beverly is a guy that 29 teams generally, you know, mostly hate. And when he's on your team, like you love the stuff that he does because he does the type of things that, you know, make a basketball team more more compelling and, and, you know, a toughness and a care factor that are really easy to get behind. And, you know, this is a guy who cares about winning and he plays with a ton of intensity and heart. And I don't think that's ever a bad thing.
2: Frank Vogel was supposed to be or labeled a defensive minded head coach. So you bring in Darvin Ham, who's going to be asking his team to do the same, play defense. Why is Darvin Ham an upgrade or considered an upgrade or a move that was ne- uh, necessitated by how they played over Frank Vogel? Yeah,
5: yeah so I, I think, you know, it's just, I think it's different, right, Dan? And I think sometimes different is the upgrade. You know, okay. um, Frank, Frank Vogel you know, through a year and a half with the Lakers, really through the first two seasons, you know, architected the best defense in the NBA, you know, won the title in his first year. Um, that was a defensive-minded team, um, was in a great position defensively in year two, kind of coming off that bubble championship before injuries kind of took their toll. And then last year was, you know, just a disaster on a ton of fronts. And Frank Fogel had a hand in that. The front office had a hand in that. The players had a hand in that. It, it really was sort of a... Uh, you could kind of, you know, blindfold yourself, throw a dart, and you hit somebody with some blame. Um, I think where Darvin Ham is different, right, is that Darvin Ham is um, the Lakers have used the word presence. People have used the word presence. What I think that means is he's 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 maybe a little more confrontational um you know definitely a different approach to dealing with people less dispassionate um that's not to say frank Lovell doesn't care he absolutely cares and he's a massive competitor and a really good basketball coach i i just think that like you know like that sort of approach the kind of you know he get he got kind of labeled like ted Lassoy around the team you know a good dad joke here or there and stuff like that i think (laughs) you you know maybe 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 somebody would grab you by your jersey and you know, hit you with an F bomb now or then. I think was is maybe like that's the change. And now we'll see if that's better or worse. You know, if that fixes the problem. I still haven't talked to anybody who thinks that the Lakers' only problem was coaching. You know, like that's it's not a one step fix, um, but it is different. And, and I think it'll hit some guys differently.
2: I'll leave you with this. This is our poll question today which oh, ooh, I'm excited which trio plays more games this upcoming season AD LeBron and Russ KD Kyrie Ben Simmons
5: Oh my god <laughs> um I I think the latter I think Brooklyn just because I still think that there is a chance the Lakers will be able to put together a Russell Westbrook trade um okay. you know depending on their willingness it seems like Brooklyn is moving forwards in that path. But and you
2: think Kyrie that, stays with Brooklyn?
5: That, I, it, it seems like it, Dan. It really does right now. Um, it seems like it. We'll see. You know, they weren't. Brooklyn wasn't able to extract a ton of value um, from from around the league, like kind of in the brief sort of period when he was trade eligible. Um, we'll see if that changes closer to the trade deadline. We'll see. I think. I think there's certainly a possibility. Um, but basketball-wise, I, I kind of think that, like, Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving are actually a pretty good fit, um, you know, and if everybody's bought in and healthy, like, it, it could work. There's just a lot of chaos there, certainly, but I think they make sense, um, certainly more sense than the Lakers trio, and, and so that, to me, yeah. uh, that they'll get my vote.
2: Dan, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to
5: you
1: soon. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.